Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash beingfreelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for marketing consultant Alex Curtis. I always got to the point where I was like killing myself, working every evening, every Saturday, no holidays for like four years. You always concentrate on getting your client work done first and you always leave yourself last. And I think that's why I was stuck for literally years wanting to have an agency and recruit people, but never getting there because I was spending all my time looking after my clients. I also joined an agency. We got to the end payday, the first payday, and they were like, you know, big clients not pay their invoice, you haven't got money to pay you. But I've kind of experienced those sort of things. I was like, I never, ever want to do that to anyone else. Yeah, so there is Alex, who I introduced, of course, as a freelance marketing consultant. But as we we're about to find out, actually, it's evolved a lot since then. And he now has a company, like actual employees, as the lead engine. So I'm looking forward to finding out about that transition. I met Alex at the Upreneur Summit. If you watch my vlog on YouTube, you will have seen, I think it was November last year, I went to this summit in London of online entrepreneur type people. But actually, what was key was like, they're people making a lot of them making online businesses out of their own personal brand, which is, of course, what we do as freelancers. That was kind of like how I approached it. Anyway, Alex and I got chatting one tea break over biscuits and started hearing about his story. And I thought, you know what, that would be great for the podcast. So that's how we find ourselves here. If you want to check out the vlog, by the way, beingfreelance.com, it's on there and you can link through to YouTube, of course, and hit subscribe on there, turn on notifications as well. And if you're liking what you're hearing, then please do make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast and maybe tell another freelancer about it. That would be awesome. Right now, let's crack on, shall we? And hear from freelance marketing consultant Alex Curtis. Hey, Alex. Hey, how you doing? I am good. I'm very well. Thanks for doing this. Uh, how about we get started as ever hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, so I was working at an agency and I'd worked at quite a few agencies and I was just getting kind of fed up. I suppose I, I didn't like being told what to do. Uh, and the owner of the agency, he was big in advertising uh, in like the 80s and this whole digital thing for him back then, that was all. He didn't really get it. So I was kind of, he was just asking me what to do. And I was like, well, yeah, I was just getting frustrated. And I always wanted to run my own business. And then a girl who I went to school with just put a thing on Facebook, oh, can someone help with a website? And I almost didn't. Uh, it turned out it was like two guys from Finland. They asked me how much money I was earning. And I said, I think I said, I said more than what I was getting paid. And then they added another six grand on. And I said, we'll pay you that. So I think it was like three and a half grand a month just to do their work. And then I started doing freelance out, out the side of it, if that makes sense. What? I'm, I'm sorry. A girl you used to go to school <laughs> yeah. with on Facebook turned out to be two Swedish men. <laughs> yeah, no, she did. She was working with the two ah. Finnish men. Yeah, sorry. I didn't explain okay. that very well. <laughs> yeah, so she was working with them. And then I met them and then they, they needed someone to do like the web support and the marketing. Um, and then that got me out of, I suppose that got me working from home, if that kind of makes sense. And then doing freelance stuff on the side of it. I see. Yeah. So were you mainly just working for them at that point? 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then I was like picking up the odd website, I think. I started, yeah, I was doing more sort of web development then. And then I was kind of like, and then I started sharing office with a couple of guys and then getting more referrals and stuff like that. So I wasn't really, I didn't have a website or was marketing myself massively. Um, but I was just like picking bits up. So you didn't have a website saying this is what I do? No, because I didn't, I didn't want them to know because <laughs> I was full time with, with them. Yeah. So this whole experience with the Finnish people was while you, so you were working full time and then doing that like in the evenings. Oh, no, no, no. So I was, I was, I quit the agency to work with the Finnish guys right. and then got freelance stuff around their work and they were flexible with, with time and things like that. So yeah, that's how it all kind of started really. I mean, you just said you were doing web development. So were you just doing like one thing or were you like you, you had a smattering of skills that you were pimping yourself out with? Yeah, I suppose because I always worked at small agencies and then it's really helpful to be multi-skilled. So when I was at U, well, I did film production at uni because I thought I was going to be the next, you know, Christopher Nolan. He was like my idol at the time. But I quickly realized that's probably not going to happen. And if I want to work in film, I'll need to run tea for people for five pounds an hour I didn't fancy that in London but then we did like modules on design and photoshop and things like that and I was really kind of interested in doing design so I started designing websites and we did a module on coding websites and then I started designing the sites and you send it to a developer and they just didn't make it how you designed it so then I taught myself to code and then I got really annoyed with people asking you to make websites you know weren't going to work for them if that kind of makes sense so then I got into the I was like I actually want to sort of be more of a marketing kind of consultant so I'm sort of guiding them on how the website should be rather than them seeing something they thought was fancy and they wanted to make that if that makes sense yes I see so you were you, you were being asked to make something but you didn't believe in it and just wanted to be able to say to them actually why don't you try these sort of things that's it. And then as soon as you say you're a marketing consultant, and then when you sort of position yourself kind of the sort of the way we do now, everything is like led by us rather than led by the client, because you just get, end up getting frustrated, I think. Yeah. So you just said us, because now you are a, a company actually with employees and stuff. So I feel like like that is jumping forward. Like How, how did it evolve from you deciding to call yourself a marketing consultant? Okay, so I guess the Finnish stuff, they were just crazy. They jumped around from different ideas to the next and they just ran out of money. And it was, again, it was them making silly decisions, not focusing on one thing. And I was kind of saying, look, why don't we do this? And they were—they just wanted to do their thing. So that petered out. And then I suppose the fully on me freelance kind of came about from them. That was maybe a year, I think. So this probably brings us up to like 2014, maybe. So then I was like fully on... I, I actually set up a, under a different name. I've always had the lead engine as the name, but I started doing like stuff, just design and web under Identity Shack, I think it was called, because I thought I'll just get the websites in and then charge, you know, I can't remember. I think I was only charging like a grand or something for, for a website. And then, yeah, and then that was getting more of people just saying, oh, we want this, 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 and this. And it was like, yeah, I wasn't enjoying it. And then I completely, completely switched to consultancy-led. Although I thought I was with Identity Shack, but it wasn't. It was still people saying, can we have this, 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 and this? Or I saw this amazing thing on this website. Can you do that, 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 that? Rather than at the beginning me saying, I think this is what we should do. This is the plan. I think this will get you more business. 
Yeah. So it was actually calling yourself the lead engine and defining yourself as a marketing consultant that then made people listen to you in that way. Yeah, I think so. And so at what point did the lead engine go from just being you? Did you just hire other people as freelancers at first or like what happened? Yeah, no, pretty much. So I think it was, I always got to the point where I was charging, I think it was about nine day rates a week, like killing myself, working every evening, every Saturday, no holidays for like four years. And just at a point, sort of like a breaking point, I think. And so the business center we are here, they had a guy, uh, his name's Mike Green. He did a Secret Millionaire channel four and he come he, at that point he was coming in every thursday donating his time to give advice to people and i kind of thought i pinned all my hopes on him i was like oh he must want to invest like 100 grand in me to set up an agency or whatever he didn't <laughs> <laughs> but he gave me the direction that i needed and then so i met him in april and then set the limited company up in june and hired my first two people that june and then we were seeing each other like <laughs> seeing each other sounds a bit wrong um we <laughs> we were meeting uh once a week at that point and then ha- well I think the first thing was having having a kid and then when she got to one and then we wanted to make sure that my partner could look after her and not have to work so it was kind of like one thing I was like right I need to we need to really kind of motor on this and then getting a mentor steering me in the right direction, doing proper planning, proper goal setting, deciding what I would, you know, I was like, oh, I want more clients, I want more clients, but I never had a plan of how, how I'm going to do it, if that kind of makes sense. And then setting like three month, six month, nine month, 12 month goals. And then having someone to talk to about that, who's been and done it and, and achieved everything that, that he has. So how did that feel for you? I mean, like it's one thing to have somebody to talk to and thinking, yeah, how about you try this? But then actually stepping into that point where you're hiring people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and it was very quick. I suppose I needed to. That it was always it was always a fear because I had been made redundant about two or three times. I think it was. I also joined an agency who didn't. Well, I, I they hired me and another girl, and we got to the end payday, the first payday, and they were like, you know, big clients not pay their invoice, we haven't got money to pay you. And then that was like a three month saga. I had to take them to small claims in the end, but I've kind of experienced those sort of things I was like I never ever want to do that to anyone else so I I hired later than I should have so I I guess the money was there but I was like oh but what if I lose a client what if I lose that client and it was like just taking that leap too too late I suppose I did the two pretty much in the same month that's cool though so you were waiting until financially you were in a place where you knew you could support other people even if the work wasn't there or rather if the money wasn't coming in yeah yeah that's it Absolutely. Well, good for you. <laughs> how did you How did you find though suddenly being a boss? Yeah, no, all right. I think yeah, I've just kind of naturally taken all the things that I hated about other bosses and all the things that I liked about other bosses. Throw a bit of David Brent in there, and then you're all good. <laughs> <laughs> just watch a lot of The Office, and then just bring that in. Yeah, I think. yeah, that's nice. So, how many how many of you are the lead engine now? Okay, so we are, so including me, there is six. Wow. And so what is your role within that? What I what it is and what I want it to be is um, I want to, I guess I've got, so I've got Tom, who's kind of like, 
he's the latest. No, he isn't the latest. He's the second latest person we hired. He is he's kind of like a co-founder, but on the payroll. We he hired me as a contractor at a company that he used to work for, and then I got him in. So he's quite senior. So he's like the account manager, like senior account manager, I guess key client account manager, manages the team and their workload. Uh, like day to day is like the office manager, if that kind of makes sense. And then him and I do kind of strategy together. In the beginning, I took him on. He was coming with new client pitch meetings, etc. Now I just do that. So I just want to be sales and marketing for our company, and then kind of obviously do strategy with but I'm doing sort of majority of the paid ads so we do a lot of Facebook ads Google ads I do the majority of that I'm teaching one of the girls to do that at the minute and then we got she's like a copywriter but uh, so we've got two copywriters a web developer the developers now he'd never touched a WordPress site before and now he's at the point where I don't have to give him sort of hardly any input so that's really good but yeah, I still, still, I guess when people are on holiday, I've got to dive in and, and cover them as well as my stuff. So yeah, I think that was a bit of a ramble, but mm. <laughs> a bit of everything. But trying to be strategy and sales as much as possible, but then still sort of diving into stuff, hands on a bit. And does that mean like you have to bring in quite a lot of work, I guess, in order to sustain a team that big? Like, is that like a tricky thing as like that balance as to when do we hire when do we yeah no definitely uh so everything's on retainer at the minute so we don't tie people into contracts so they could leave at any point but essentially you get to a point where you need the the extra manpower to manage the clients you've got and then uh, one thing we do now is all, all clients are the the billing is automated they pay at the start we use go cardless so the money is there if they start they've paid if that makes sense Yes, yeah, yeah. So you don't do anything without them putting money down. Mm, yeah, well, we shouldn't. We actually got a meeting this afternoon with someone who hasn't. They <laughs> they refused. They're the they're the one people that have refused to go on a direct debit only because they had a direct debit scam or something before, and the chairman wouldn't sign it off. Um, so we've only got one that that isn't. Uh, but essentially, yeah, we it's yeah sort of lesson one of the lessons learnt really in terms of like billing and and things like that I know it's a bit of a tricky one for freelancers and it's always an awkward sort of conversation is it about money and chasing payments and things like that how about then the way that you get clients now so at one point it was basically off your reputation and I mean I know you just mentioned Facebook ads for, for example yeah so yeah pretty much uh, LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn ads so we specialize now in just financial services so lead generation for financial services companies so a lot of that's like mortgages life insurance all kind of insurances uh, loans and things like that so we're specialists in that area so as far as we're concerned there's no one better than us although we don't say that sort of thing and then every financial service company need leads inquiries like all the time and a lot of them buy leads in so they'll buy they'll be like there'll be companies that have got their own version of compare the market for say mortgages or for boilers or for whatever and they sell those inquiries to these people and then we offer them that we'll do it for you through your own brand through your own website be cheaper more efficient and then we get that proposition across to them in their LinkedIn feed. And then we remarket on every sort of channel. And most of the inquiries come through on the remarketing. Was going after like financial services as a niche? Like, when did you do that? 
Uh, only recently, actually. So before I met you at the conference, only probably about a month before we actually made, well, I made the decision to actually change the website and, and say that. Uh, so only recently. Aha. Uh-huh. And, oh, okay. So maybe it's too early to know the difference that might make. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's good in terms of easily being able to say no to stuff that you don't want to do. I always find it a bit awkward saying saying no to people that you know you can't help. And so it's easy to say, oh, we, we only specialize in financial services. But it's made our marketing a lot easier in terms of going after like our the SEO work that we're doing. We're like much more focused on just going after the financial services rather than trying to compete with everyone on everything. Uh, and then the marketing and everything. Yeah, and I think our just a whole approach is a lot better. And then we were we, we were only advertising to financial services before because that's where our best ones came from. But now we've just made it better in terms of the website and the way we come across. And have you always worked out of an office? Uh, no. So in the in the early days, so when I was doing like the stuff with the, the guys from Finland, I was working in, I uh, had like a, a spare bedroom. Or I had like a townhouse. It was like top floor kind of office and did like I think six months got real cabin fever really bad cabin fever from there then got an office with some guys that I used to go school with and then went back home for a bit and then found a co-working space a bit like the thing you're in at the moment and then they got a co-working space here and then we moved from the co-working space in this building to an office in this building what's been your main sort of learning of like transitioning from just being yourself to being a company of more than just yourself I guess it was it a lot of the stuff that the I think it's like planning, goal setting, not just concentrate. You always concentrate on getting your client work done first, and you always leave yourself last. And I think that's why I was stuck for literally years wanting to have an agency and recruit people, but never getting there because I was spending all my time looking after my clients. So I guess that is probably the biggest. And then planning, what am I going to do to grow? And actually doing what you do for everyone else, for yourself, because <laughs> <laughs> you just get trapped doing it. And then like sacking clients that are no good, that take the biscuit um, that you underquoted and undercharged, but carry on doing it out of sense of loyalty. So yeah, there's one where I was charging, it was only like £130 a day, I think it was, my first ever client for myself and then I was just doing so much work for so so little and it just got so frustrating but I kept them for oh, three four years and then finally went back and they took the new rate which was about five times more and then I helped them hire people internally so we don't work with them anymore but it was yeah it was just like I could have done a lot more a lot quicker if I had um yeah done that my my mentor says conflict leads to clarity Mm. Um, and it's like awkward conversations you don't want to have you know you've got to but if you once you do that it's you're, you're, it's awkward for 30 seconds and then they still want to work with you you still want to work with them you you find some sort of way of doing it so having those awkward conversations I think is one of the one of the biggest lessons how has work-life balance changed for you over the past few years because you mentioned having a, a kid as well so yeah, when we first had her, I was back to work. You know, I was freelancing day rate. If I wasn't working, I wasn't earning. So I was back to work within one or two days. So that wasn't great. And that was at the time when I was still working six days a week and evening. So like six, like 14, 15 hour days. And then, so this summer, I took my first holiday in like four years. 
I'm on my the Upreneur summit that we went to the you know the the thing in 30 days from now I will only do dot 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 yeah so 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 it was basically like a challenge card that we had to say I I guess it was so that we didn't just leave that conference with so many things in our head that we didn't do anything the idea was to write down actual things you were going to do in the next month absolutely that's it and one of those was to only ever work late on a Wednesday because that week, that that week, I had a public speaking gig on the Wednesday, and I spent the Monday night rehearsing for it. And then I turn up, and it's absolutely dead. The, the, it was like a B two B exhibition, and like no one was there. No one marketed the whole event. There's all these exhibitors with no one oh, no. there. And then there was, they cancelled the two speakers before me, and I think I spoke to about five people. So it was like I was really annoyed with myself that I I didn't put my daughter to bed on the Monday night and then I worked late Wednesdays normal and then I went away for the weekend obviously on the Upreneur Summit um, and then obviously Carrie Wilkerson she opened up that conference and she was talking about your family being your stakeholders and then yeah I was actually was, I found that quite emotional actually that talk from her because it was just like quite a lot of tough love I think it was on, on that side of things because like I'm doing it for them but then I'm not really because <laughs> I'm just working all the time. So yeah, I'm working on it. Definitely, that's a really hard thing to do. But I do, I do take every weekend off now, and then I am just working Wednesday evening. Yeah, so that real conflict of saying, "Oh, well, I'm doing this for them," but actually, they'd quite like to have you around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough one to balance. But you're you're now trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah, ideally, I mean, like when Chris Ducker's like, oh, I don't ever work Fridays, haven't done for a couple of years. I mean, that would be ideal. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you've got this team around you now. <laughs> I know. It's hard because you, when you are, you've got, I've got really good guys, really, really good guys. And then three of them are fresh graduates who they can do this stuff really well. But I think it's, it's experience where you learn why you're doing it and what if this happens. So you still need to keep a lid on because if something if you're running advertising campaigns you're spending you know tens of thousands of pounds of advertising budget and something goes wrong and they don't know what to do but you do because you've been in that situation many times then you can't just leave it it sounds like you have been really good at learning from others over the years i mean obviously you've mentioned being at that conference and the business advice that you got from mike green as well is is that like an ongoing thing? Yeah, yeah. So we we still we meet up once a month. It still gives me tough love that I need. And then he has helped us out with this new office. So he we he sort of introduced us to the guy that it's basically a it's the old RNIB charities head office, massive massive building. And he works with the guy that's bought it. We did some work for the guy that bought it before. And then because of that, we've got a really good deal on this new office because of that relationship. So, yeah, we're going into an office about five or six times the size for about the same price, which mm. is um, – we are, we are snug at the moment, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, I've got five of us, five or six of us in the office in a three-person office. <laughs> so what, what, what do you find that you then bring to that sort of monthly – meeting do you have to come along with something in particular and like really i think he sort of he will pick up on things and it's always kind of i suppose it's what we talked what have i actioned what we talked about last time so i think it was like the other month he was like he's all about growth 
and he was like telling me to t- switch off my ads to not take on any, any new clients for the rest of the year because we'd grown enough that year and we were uh so it's little things like that so it was like you know have you have you done that I was like yeah it feels a bit weird but it was actually great so it gave us a little breather to like train up one of the guys when I mentioned about one of our copywriters doing the technical stuff on the ads gave me time to teach her a load of stuff and now she's taking a load off my plate so yeah stuff like that and then I suppose that things always come up things you know you've always got like challenges and things that are you know whether it's like an awkward client or whether it's you know you've got a whole month of things hitting the fan that it's good to chat to them about and then I can just it's great that we've had that relationship now for what it's a year and a half that I can just ring him up if anything happens as well and just run it run it by him so it's so interesting that that concept though of you know as in growing too fast yeah I think you can burn out and then just you'll I suppose our sort of business model where it's that retainer that you'll if you're constantly bringing new ones on are you looking after the ones you've got and then are you sort of bringing on three to lose two rather than stepping back for a bit and then just bring on two a month or one a month or something and you could grow quicker if you go slower if that kind of makes sense and and using that time to grow your team as as you've done yeah, as well no absolutely or or hey see your family yeah yeah exactly yeah, it <laughs> okay now i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what have you got for me alex Okay, so one summer, I spent the whole summer working in a warehouse. It was a really hot summer, counting Christmas cards and checking them for faults, <laughs> uh, which was amazing. I once, <laughs> arm res- I once arm wrestled Spencer Matthews from Made in Chelsea in Marbella, <laughs> and I once, I once went to do some filming with David Dickinson at his house. Oh, my God. Okay. So, I mean, this podcast gets listened to in a lot of countries, so I don't know if David Dickinson has travelled. Well, clearly, <laughs> by the colour of the man, he has travelled. But, I mean, as in, he is, he is a very tanned orange antiques dealer yes. who is very famous in the UK for, um, for like, antiques-type auction-type yeah. shows. He's, he's a big character. And what did you do to him? Hang on, I was about to say you arm wrestled him, but that no, was Spencer. That was Spencer Matthews, who, who, yeah. What did you do to? Oh, you f- went to his house. To, yeah, to do some filming with him. What was his house like? Uh, as as you can imagine, stuffy and full of, of antiques. Um, and he um, purposely left his Bentley uh, out on the drive, opened up the garage, and made sure that was parked out front. So it looked good in the shot, sort of thing. No, it wasn't even being filmed. Just, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just so you knew. Yeah, just so we all knew. Yeah. Um, you arm wrestled Spencer from Made in Chelsea again. I don't know if Made in Chelsea, but it's one of those big reality <laughs> yeah. shows. So uh, he's pretty famous. Mm. So uh, where was he? Ma- uh, in Magaluf? Mar- uh, Marbella. Uh, yeah. So my friends got an apartment in. Marbella and then uh, there's like three or four of us we go I haven't been for a walk a while obviously we used to go like every summer because it was like free and his dad was minted so it's a massive apartment and we got to go yeah we spend like a week out there and we just obviously spend money on food and beer and then yeah you see all sorts of z-listers in um in Marbella but how did you end up arm wrestling him just <laughs> in a bar, and then because we've we're and there's only normally one of us that's single, 
and then the rest of us are in relationships. We're always chatting to girls, but then with none of that awkwardness, so you're like winding them up. And I was doing a Jack Black impression from School of Rock, and then <laughs> they ran and got him to say, see this. And then, I don't know, just banter went, ensued, and then we, we arm wrestled. So, so you had to do a Jack Black impression in front of Spencer, <laughs> yeah. and then he—I um, don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> and then you worked in a warehouse in the summer, but it was full of Christmas cards. Yeah, it was for a like a card printing company, and we had to lit. So it was the whole—it was like summer job before uni, just counting like you know those Christmas card packs. So it was like quality control of Christmas cards, essentially. Oh my God, I have no idea. I mean, that sounds utterly plausible. It's the kind of rubbish job you get when you before you go to university or whatever. I, I mean, once upon a time, I had to hang trousers onto hangers. <laughs> you never think about that in a shop, do you? But somebody had to put those trousers on a hanger. Yeah. <laughs> right. Arm wrestled. I mean, here's the thing about that one is that I Spencer comes across on TV, at least anyway, as a sort of person who would arm wrestle a stranger, <laughs> yeah. right? This, especially if it was to impress girls. I can yeah. imagine him, him, I don't know about you, but I can imagine him doing that. So that sounds plausible. He is minted, but you said you were somewhere where people were minted. So that's a, David Dickinson's out. I mean, I don't know why you would pick David Dickinson. <laughs> the detail about the Bentley felt really true as well. I mean, he's not been in the news for a long time or on TV. I mean, maybe he is, and I just don't see him. Oh, God, I don't know. So, which is weird. So actually, the, the one which sounds most made up is the Christmas cards, and yet that is equally the most plausible. So I just don't... OK, I don't think you arm-wrestled Spencer from Made in Chelsea. You are correct. Yes! <laughs> yeah. No, we did go on Marbella a lot, and we did meet someone, Proudlock, from Made in Chelsea... But we never met Spencer, and I didn't arm wrestle anyone. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that was very believable, I've got to say. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I thought like, there was a bit of half-truth. Yeah, you, although you said don't give me any half-truths, I thought, oh, I've got to, just to make it difficult. Uh, I love the fact that that means you did go to David Dickinson's house as well. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah this... Oh, he was, he was incredible. So we, yeah, so we did some, he was basically the face of this pawnbroking yeah, the other thing I was going to say was I've worked. I'm so glad for the line didn't drop out after the word porn. Yeah, no, yeah. So David Dickinson <laughs> was the face of pawnbroking. Yeah. I one of my one of my stories I was going to say that I worked on a porn site and I did some videos for it. <laughs> was, and then I was like, you so that was uh, obviously a, a a grammatical joke. But no, yeah. So he was the face of that, and then he just he just signed his deal, and we went to the the company's annual conference. We had to film him say doing his introduction to the staff that he was going to be the face of the the brand and I, 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 one thing i'll never forget is him giving us instructions to the m6 about five or six times from his house it, it was just bizarre and i i memorized the directions um except well well done <laughs> <laughs> thanks even though i guessed right well well done okay now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I think, oh, lots of things. So I'd definitely say about the automated billing, get that done straight away. Because we sync uh, zero with GoCardless, the invoices are automated, the payments automated, 
don't have to have any awkward conversations about money. Yeah, so certainly, and then get them to pay at the beginning of the month, not the end. So I used to invoice 30, like give them 30 days and then invoice at the end of the month. So it was like two months later, really, you're getting the money. And then I'd probably say like, rather than doing all this, set up a life insurance website and get it position one and do that back in 2008 um, because life insurance leads are incredibly, it's like the holy grail. Um, if you were, you could make an absolute fortune selling life insurance leads, uh, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Brilliant. So your tip to your younger self wouldn't be necessarily about being freelance, but it would be, <laughs> no, no, just sit, trust me on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and maybe do a car finance one as well because you can equally <laughs> make a mint just doing that. Honestly, I could have two, I would be sitting here now completely automated, earning bucket loads of cash and doing zero work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that you would actually want to do zero work there. No, I think I think I would do what Mike's doing. Have like he's semi-retired. He does a couple of days work, a couple of days charity, and then the rest of the week with the family. So, and I like that idea of. Uh, I think he gets a lot out of our kind of meetups, and I'd love to do that to other people that are struggling as well. But hopefully, I see it as him passing on the baton when I sort of sell sell up sort of thing. Yeah, so you you mentioned making goals. That that sounds like a good goal to have. That's like your end game goal. Yeah, I think so. Definitely financial freedom, give a load back, not just to like entrepreneurs, but like doing some charity work as well. Especially since I think having kids as well, you just can't watch things like children in need and stand up for cancer without just being like, what can I do? So I'd love to actually be able to do something like that or you know spend if it's one day a week or something for a charity I feel like I could do loads but be in a position where I could just do that um and not have to worry about paying the bills yeah definitely Alex thank you so much go to beingfreelance.com there will be links through to the lead engine and Alex on social media so that you can find him there and go say hi and um yeah yeah just just see where this next year goes <laughs> for, for you it will be really interesting good good luck with the you know it's interesting going from that whole freelance thing into the whole business thing but it sounds like it it suits you really well uh, yeah go take a look beingfreelance.com while you're there check out the other guests sign up for the newsletter and of course uh, there's the vlog there as well so you can see what I'm up to on a weekly basis but for now Alex thanks so much and all the best being freelance or all the best being a boss <laughs> thank you mate appreciate it